Welcome to this episode of We the Voters. As always, we work to lift up the issues and concerns that matter to all voters. If you would like for us to discuss an issue that is near and dear to your heart, please visit our website at pointcast.news and let us know in the comment section. On today's episode, we have Orlando and Clara Jones of Jones Natural Inc. We will be talking about some of the ventures that they have going on, how COVID has affected their family, and how they've been able to springboard into other opportunities since that time. So Clara and Orlando, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank Thank you for having us. So before we go too far into today's discussion, I always like to take a little time to learn a little bit about the people we're talking to, where you all are from, a little bit about your backstory. So Orlando, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what life was like for you coming up. Born and raised here in Indianapolis. Um, grew up on the east side of town. Okay. Uh, I'm a project kid. You know, we came up over in Beechwood Gardens, where I was where I spent a lot of my formative years from the age of probably eight until I was 18. And then my family moved to Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, and then I graduated from tech school when I was 20, so that would have been 1980. And from there, uh, joined the military, spent six years in the Army, came out of the military, and I got a job with the Indianapolis Police Department. I was with the police department for about five years. And then I um, struck out on my own as an independent uh, telecommunications contractor which I did for approximately another 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. So you've been, you spent much of your career as an independent contractor. As an independent contractor. Right. More more than half of my life I've, I've spent as an independent contractor. Now, did you grow up around entrepreneurs? How did this? Well, yeah, we kind of have a, it's kind of a dichotomy because uh, my mom's side of the family um, comes from Texas and they were all very um, entrepreneurial people. My grand uncle started one of the first black owned uh, mattress manufacturing companies in Fort Worth, Texas back in the 1950s. And uh, so my mom's side of the family was very entrepreneurial. Um, my dad was a factory guy. He was a veteran. But, you know, my dad was also a very accomplished musician back in the 1950s. He's a saxophonist. He played with people like Phineas Newborn. And he knew uh, he knew uh, Wes Montgomery and Freddie Hubbard and all those guys. So, you know, I got my background from feeding from both sides of the family so i've got a lot of input and there's a lot of things that kind of feed into culturally and economically and mentally where i'm at right now right right but what was life like for you growing up as a child all of those different influences and you said growing up in in beechwood garden um going to school what was what did life feel like it was tough it was tough i'm you know uh, we are definitely not uh, what anybody would consider to be a white-collar family. My dad was a blue-collar worker most of his life. He worked for uh, what was now uh, Carrier and Bryant Day. And I think that's where he worked for most of his life. And um, so, and then I've got a bunch of siblings. I've got five sisters and four brothers. So it was not easy. And it was not easy for us or for me to find 
my niche within the family. <laughs> so, you know, we all had to fight for that kind of space uh, among us. But on the same token, I think it made us all stronger people. Now, where do you fall in that mix of five brothers, or five sisters and four I'm, brothers? I'm pretty much right in the middle. Wow. Wow. Okay. The negotiator. Got you. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Sort of, kind of, kind of. And Claire, what about you? Tell us about your background. What was life like growing up for you? What's your backstory? Okay. So I'm the youngest of three sisters. And uh, let me see. My mom was a cosmetologist and my father was a truck driver. So um, entrepreneurship was also a part of, very much a part of my family growing up. Uh, my grandfather, both of them on both sides of the family had farms, uh, one in Mississippi and one in uh, Missouri, and they both were entrepreneurs. <laughs> wow. So I, I was, I have had that all along in my life. Um, I have been, uh, my career has been an optician for the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I fit people for glasses and contacts and that type of thing. If, uh, those that are listening don't know what an optician is. Because right, most right. people associate it with this, like the doctor. And I am not the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, Orlando and I, we have four children. Um, one boy and three girls. We have eight grandchildren. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we are a growing family. Um, I was born and raised here in Indianapolis. Um, uh, and then uh, I'll have to say, uh, getting to Jones Natural. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let me back up a bit because we okay. skipped some stages. How did the two of you meet? <laughs> oh, you know what? It's a long story. It, it is, but we can make the story kind yeah, of short. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we met at work. Yeah, we, we were work. both MCI operators. Yeah, I had, I had just got out of the military. Okay. Transitioning, and I took a job. Uh, before I went to go to work for the police department, I worked for what was American Express Teleservices, which was... MCI. And, well, they, they, they were contracted to do phone and long-distance service for MCI. Gotcha. We both became MCI operators. Okay. MCI was a growing company. Of course, most people don't know who MCI is because right. they've gone the way of the dodo bird. <laughs> tech companies of that, you know, particular. Right. Thing. But right. that was the one thing that 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 brought us together. Yes. And, uh, that was a place that, that put us together. And there was some, and you know, there was so many. Uh, I, I would say almost supernatural circumstances yes. that made that happen. Uh, I'm not. It would be a long story to get into them now, but perhaps if you have us back one day, I'll tell you. Oh, a teaser! I love a teaser. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's let's get into let's move up to where we were over this past year and a half or so. You know, many of us have lost a year to sure. COVID, and some people have really struggled with what that has meant for them. They've struggled with um, loneliness, depression, job yeah. loss, family strife. But during this time, you all were able to start and begin to grow a business. Well, I would say started right. it because, you know, this, this business has been kind of hanging out on the fringes of our lives 
since 2003. Okay, let's tell me a little bit about what caused you all to want to start this business. Let's start there. Okay, so I, I was working for um, a doctor that decided she was ready to retire. <laughs> and in the course of that, um, the Lord just dropped this on me, you know. And so uh, the inspiration was um, one of our granddaughters. Mm -hmm. She um, had eczema. And so in the course of that, there was prayer you know, for healing and so forth. But the Lord gave me a formula for her eczema. And um, not only does it work for eczema, it works for psoriasis, sunburn, dark spots, um, you name anything that can, you know, be harmful to the skin. Mm -hmm. So um, it was developed back then. Um, and it, you know, I had it in many places. I had it in like health food stores and uh, some private places. Mm -hmm. And um, it just wasn't because we have social media now and people can see your product better than they could back then. Um, we, we lost what we were doing back then, but never uh, totally put it away. Just, you know, kind of set it to a side for, for a while because it just wasn't the income that we were looking for. Mm, gotcha. So um, mm -hmm. now that social media is a bigger place <laughs> to get the products <laughs> out, I still do things in the old fashioned kind of way. So at this point uh, with Jones Natural, I have it in six different places here in town. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm working on um, redevelopment of, uh, of the brand. Of the brand. Yeah, we're, we're, yes. we're in the branding concept pages right yes. now. Right. Well, yeah, she's got a product, uh, and, and like I said, that was that was another supernatural intervention. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that happened was my granddaughter was, I mean, she was two or three years old, and she was suffering with, with eczema. She would scratch herself till she bled and a whole bunch of other things. And my wife, being the compassionate person that she is, said, you know, I can't stand to watch my baby suffer like this. What can I do? So she prayed. And the Lord point, pointed us to a couple of places in scripture and said, these things in combination with one another are for healing. Yes. And so that became the basis for the formula for the product that we now call E-Natural. Mm. And what it does, it's, it's, it's petroleum free, mm -hmm. which is one of the first things that, 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 um, becomes a banner for the product for all of our products is that they're petroleum free they're allergen free they're gluten free they're cruelty free <laughs> you know, all those free things yeah, all those free things. <laughs> I mean, we're not giving it away because it's what value but right, one of the right. things that that we discovered uh after using it for my granddaughter's eczema was number one how fast it worked how effective it worked and how superior the product was to the pharmaceuticals that people were getting to mm -hmm. treat this condition. And um, and like I said, since it's all natural, these are things that come from God's green earth, man. They're not mined or, you know, they're not pumped out of an oil well. Right. And, you know, which 90% of the cosmetic products that are being sold in the marketplace today are petroleum based. Petroleum's mm -hmm. cheap <laughs> and it's abundant, you know, it's easier to get. But then when you think about it, you know, you're putting something that is nothing more 
than a refined version of axle grease on your skin <laughs> to heal yourself. That's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, wow. and that's really what it is. And the thing about it is that if you use enough of these products, they inhibit your body's own ability to produce the sebum and moisture that it takes to keep your skin healthy. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that was targeted. Like I said, this all, all this wisdom yeah. comes from God, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you don't get that. They don't tell you that in your, in your textbooks. Right. So, right. One, one, of, one of the things that strikes me in listening to both of you all is the passion that you have for your business, how personal it is and how connected the two of you are in, you. in that space. And there are a lot of people who, um, come from entrepreneurial backgrounds, but they don't have the combination of having a spouse or even the passion that you all have around your product. In talking to or maybe in sharing with those individuals, how how would you say, do you think that you have to, because your story is very, very personal. Not everyone would have the opportunity probably to have that, but do you think it's important that people have a passion for what they're doing as far as an entrepreneurial venture and and, and the family support that you all have for each other? Is that something that you think is a necessary thing as well? Absolutely necessary. That was something that somebody told me a long time ago. They said, if you're doing something that you love, then going to work is not work. Yeah. I mean, and that's just as simple that's as it is, you know. And so um, the thing about what I recommend to people is that find something in your life. Find that one thing that you do that can be beneficial to others that doesn't feel like work to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you should be doing. Yes. And most people, when they choose a career path, uh, they don't choose it because of love. They choose it because of the opportunity to make money. And if that is your only motivation, somewhere along that line, after you've accumulated enough of the vanity stuff, the passion's going to burn out. The people that really love what they do, not only because, well, the um, success is not necessarily measured in the money, but mm-hmm. it's in the joy that you extract from doing the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we are. We, yes. um, you know, if, if we'd have got into this thing specifically for money, we would have given up on a long time yeah. ago because uh, in the early stages, it wasn't that lucrative. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, we saw that the products that we were creating were really helping people. Yes. They were a benefit to people. And, you know, that satisfaction alone, knowing that you're doing something that, uh, helps others and that is a benefit to others is enough to say, hey, I mean something in this world. Mm-hmm. You right, know? right. And that's well, it's the passion behind um, seeing the formula work and when it works, how someone comes back to you and say, I feel relief from this. Look at this. That scar that was there is no longer there. I'm not itching and scratching because of this condition condition that appears every now and I'm not saying that it's a healing agent. agent. It is. It's a comfort agent (laughs) that promotes healing. There you go. Because the body heals (laughs) itself. If you provide the body with enough nourishment and enough of an environment for healing, 
the body has the ability to heal itself. That's yes. what we forget. You know, we've survived. We've been here for thousands of years uh, without the aid of man-made medicine. And now all of a sudden, man-made medicine, we've become so dependent upon it that, you know, we live in fear if we don't have it. And that kind of, to me, is the danger that we're in right now is not so much, you know, and that's bringing us to the pandemic thing. (laughs) The biggest pandemic that that I'm seeing being expressed across the world is not the disease itself. It's Mm -hmm. fear. It's the fear of us being able to interact with each other as neighbors, as friends, as family. You know, we've disconnected those very institutions that uh, can, you know, that are made to deal with issues like loneliness and all and and suicide and depression and all those other kind of things that are actually killing more people than the disease itself. (laughs) You know, so that's just one of those things that I'm throwing out there. Right, you know, I'm right. not saying that you know people shouldn't be concerned about coronavirus. Claire and I both had it. Yes, and, yeah. and, wow. and I'll tell you that it's no cakewalk. <laughs> it is no cakewalk. She was wow. sick. You know, I, I wasn't sick as long as she was. You know, she but she been she's still suffering from the residuals of the disease nine months after we had it. Can we talk a little bit about what you think led up to, I mean, there there were a lot of people who got it early on, but didn't realize they had it until they right. were well in, into it. Were sure. you all one of those people or did you all catch it at a later time? Oh, we what? all caught it. Well, yeah, we didn't, after the news came out about what it was mm-hmm. and the nature of it, you know, um, if it weren't for that, we would have treated it just like any other flu. Mm, got you. See what I'm saying? Because... Uh, some of the symptoms that developed were very flu-like. Yes. Except with Clara, you know, she's never had any respiratory issues in her life that I can think of, at least not since I've known her. She hasn't had any. Now, I've had, I've got asthma and hypertension and some other things that, you know, people said that if you contract COVID for you, it's a death sentence. (laughs) And, you know, my doctors even wrote me letters to give to my employers that said, hey, you know, Mr. Jones is a high death risk. You know, you need to limit his involvement and interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, she was sick longer than I was. I was sick for a couple of weeks. And it was, it was just like any normal flu. I caught a temperature. Uh, I had some 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 difficulty breathing, um, some difficulty swallowing. My sense of taste went away. But gotcha. you know, after a while, some of that stuff began to come back. And mm-hmm. now it's like I was never even sick. But I've had flu you know, maybe four times in my life, I try to keep myself relatively healthy and do things to try to keep my immune system strong anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that contributed a lot to the way I was able to fight out the disease. And not to say that Clara doesn't, you know, people, everybody's different and everybody's experience with it is going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. to try to say that, you know, everybody that gets it is walking around with a death sentence, that's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to say that during that whole experience, though, I mean, he was a pro. <laughs> I mean, he was very much there to support me because it was it was really bad. It was really bad. It attacked it attacked my breathing. If I try to talk, I would cough. If I uh-huh. cough, I couldn't talk. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. like shut up, don't say nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one point where I took a shower and just lost my breath. I had to get out of there because I thought I was going to die. It was just that bad. There was moments where 
uh, if you've ever seen the movie Signs, where the father was trying to help the little boy breathe, he mm-hmm. had to help me just by breathing with me because mm-hmm. it was just that bad. Um, he made sure I ate chicken soup. I got so tired of chicken soup. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the things that we really did find that was very beneficial was when it first started to happen was to get out and move. You got to move. He made me walk around the block, and that was tough. Yeah, yeah. but got out there with him. He got out there with me, but yeah. moving helps for that um, for the Corona not to settle in settle your lungs. Settle into your lungs. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I still have some issues. I, you know, I had to take a Ventolin inhaler, and I never had to do yeah, that in my know. life. Um, I had to have occupational therapy, physical therapy, because it affected my. Oh, so, and I still have issues. That's why I have not been that because of the issues. And every now and then uh, the breathing does, it does still affect. And um, that's something totally new to me because I never experienced that before. And um, I just have to say, if, you know, people think that it's taking it lightly is is not, it's not a joke. It's something that is very serious. And like you said, it affects people differently. But for me, it was, I would say, a tragedy. (laughs) But But I had no loss. (laughs) Right. But you're still hanging in there. I'm I'm just curious, and you can push back on this if you want, but since you've had COVID and been through that, and we've heard all sorts of people say all sorts of things, but did you all uh, feel or did your doctors lead you all to think that the vaccine was still something that you should go ahead and do? No, my, my doctors actually he, recommended that we do not take right. the vaccine. He is, he is a wonderful doctor. And I'm not going to mention his name, just right. you know. To of keep course him. not, of course yeah. not. But with that recommendation, do you mind sharing why your doctors recommended well, yeah, it? Yeah, several reasons. One is that um, number one, it's still experimental technology. Mm-hmm. Still experimental technology. They have not given enough time to. Um, work out all the latent after effects of what we could get with coronavirus vaccines. Mm-hmm. Number one, coronavirus as a virus is not new. Mm-hmm. We think it's new, but if you go back and look at uh, some bottles of old Lysol liquid from back maybe five or six years ago, or longer, or longer coronavirus is listed on there as one of the antigens for the flu. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like it's new. This particular variant, number 19, is new Mm -hmm. but um there's some debate about where it came from and how it came into existence and so you know with that being said there's not enough known about the origin of the virus itself to merit mandating people taking a vaccination for something that they're really not confident about what the origins are and if they were confident about the origins and the efficacy of the vaccine why is it that the Food and Drug Administration is hesitant about approving it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and one vaccine has been, but the others... Well, yeah, the Pfizer one. The Pfizer, the Pfizer. One just got approved. Right, it did. But it just got approved under the window of months, if you will, of talk of mandating vaccines. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and that, people had already taken, and people had already taken before they even before they even approved, approved it. So just like the others, you know that 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 
in and of itself makes me scared. It's questionable. It's, it's questionable. And mm-hmm. you know what I'm looking at is the government's approach to trying to move so uh, quickly. quickly, so speedily on this process. And why is it that the targeted market for this vaccine <laughs> happens to be African-American people? Why, well, why do you think the government is like in, in your own words, but not just your words, I've heard other people say the same thing, all right? So for those listeners who might be listening who have the same concern, why do you think the government is moving so quickly? I have no idea. And I'm not right. gonna propose any conspiracy theories or any right. of that kind of stuff into that. I'm just saying that number one, it would be a very foolish mistake mm-hmm. for anybody to allow somebody to stick you with, to inject something into your blood that is definitely going to alter your DNA without any kind of research or efficacy studies being done on it enough to where the government is confident enough that this is not going to harm you. And, you know, one of the hesitants that, (laughs) one of the reasons why I'm in such great hesitancy of it is because we've got a history of the government doing this type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you don't think so, think about the difference between the two polio vaccines. There was one polio vaccine that came out in the early 1950s. It was called the Sabin vaccine. The Sabin vaccine was injected into your skin. Now, 40 years, 50 years later, people who have taken the Sabin vaccine have a greater incidence of developing something called shingles. Hmm. People forget that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the government pushed people taking the Sabin vaccine because it was good for the children to, you know, and and basically they mandated it for kids to go back to school. You had to have polio vaccine. You had to have a diphtheria vaccine. You had to have measles and chickenpox. Yeah, yeah. So I got it all. I'm a mixture of every kind of chemical you can imagine. (laughs) But those, you know, the way they developed those vaccines. Right, right. Completely different from the way they develop this particular vaccine. I got you. I got you. well, and and for people who may be listening who may not uh, be clear on what Orlando is talking about, the process for developing vaccines typically could take years, and um, and I believe, and Orlando, correct me if I'm incorrect. I believe what Orlando is expressing is that the speed at which this vaccine was created. Um, causes some concerns because it doesn't sound like, I think efficacy is the word that you use, that there has been enough research to show the efficacy of the vaccine because of the speed of development. And even with the polio vaccine, if I heard you correctly there, even with the time that they took to develop that, it still, I I take notes when we're talking, it still led, based on what you were sharing, it led to other issues. And you, based on that knowledge, you're saying that this vaccine could lead to other issues and we just don't know enough about that. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement. Okay. We don't know enough about the long-term causes or the long-term damage that could be incurred by us using this thing. And and because it is a um, it is an experimental vaccine. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about a little bit something you skipped over kind of quickly? You said something about the African American or the Black community and and so the vaccine in that space. There is history there, and mm-hmm. I want to just take a moment to honor that history, um, mm-hmm. in the sense that 
there is hesitancy among uh, some African Americans when it comes to vaccines or anything that the government is pushing because there were experiments on African Americans. And Henrietta Lacks was her, basically her family didn't realize what was going on there. And Tuskegee is a big one. Would you like to share a little bit about Tuskegee and your knowledge of, of any of one of those situations oh, you know and what? why I, you have concerns? Well, I, I, I have concerns because, and not so much that this is exactly like the Tuskegee experiment in which, you know, they gave people, basically they gave a bunch of men syphilis. They infected them with syphilis and told them that it was something else just so that they can experimentally watch and see the long-term effects of syphilis without. So from start to finish, the government gave these people the disease and then followed their treatment until they died. And then, and told their families, not told them lies about what was actually being done to them. And that's the, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Trust if you me. can trust the government that will do that to people, the same government is going to mandate that they stick a needle in your arm or else they're going to make it impossible for you to travel, for you to shop, for you to interact with. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's not making it for me. That's not American freedom. That's not, well, first of all, taking away your freedom, your basic freedom. But number two, you know, what are you doing to me? I don't have enough scientific knowledge to stand back and look at the details and make that decision for myself. Right, so right. they're mandating it, which is to me, you know, something that I'll go to war for. Yes. <laughs> I'll yes. be honest with you. I'll go to war for it. Right. You're going to inject me with a man-made plague. Mm -hmm. And if you trust that the government won't do that, then, you know, I got some beachfront property in Kansas that I'll sell you. <laughs> believe that one right <laughs> <laughs> so with these with, let's go into that space there are some recent mandates the president biden has mandated that all federal employees mm -hmm. be uh be uh vaccinated mm -hmm. and there are also mandates for certain businesses that have a certain amount of employees over a certain number so if either of you, I know, Clara, you're still dealing with not having going, not going into the workspace because of, sounds like long COVID that you're dealing with. Um, but for you, Orlando, if you were told that you couldn't engage in some of the work that you're doing, or that I know that you all are also musicians, that you couldn't play a venue unless you showed proof of vaccination, how, how how are you going to respond to that? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to allow anybody, whether whatever economic incentive you try to place in front of me to allow my body to become a source of experimentation or, you know, basically I'm not going to be your guinea pig. I don't care what incentives you offer me or what punitive measures you try to put in front of me to coerce me to do something against my own body mm -hmm. that I'm that I'm not I'm, I'm just not gonna let you do it job right. be damned you know <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it. that's, that's yeah. just the way it is yeah. you know I mean and besides this where does the logic apply that because I don't get vaccinated because I don't immunize myself against the disease 
that I become a threat to somebody who is immunized? That is the question. And that was a question I was going to ask you all. Uh, because there is a rise of people now getting uh, COVID through a new variant called Delta. The, the talk is that the majority of the people who are becoming ill are people who haven't been vaccinated. And some areas of the country have run out of hospital beds all over again, which for some folks, there have been a couple of people who haven't been able to get emergency treatment that they needed because the hospitals were filled with people who have COVID. And you all have experienced that. When you're sick, you can't help it, right? Sick. We took her to the hospital, to the emergency room. They sent her home the same day. Yeah, they did. They gave me uh, IV fluids. They gave IV fluids and sent her home. Mm -hmm. Well, I I believe you. I believe you because I I also, like you, had COVID. And I was on a turnaround schedule only because I was not deemed, uh, I forgot what the term was at that time. But I did not need uh, oxygen, in their opinion, or uh, other respiratory support. But I was given respiratory medication, like much like you, Claire. So, yeah, I totally understand, and I, I know for a fact that that's true. I know someone else has been through something like that. However, there are people who are in the hospital for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, and so the question becomes, is there any responsibility that you feel should be borne by people who choose not to get the vaccine, who are now coming down with this new variant, um, who are like the numbers that are going up are mainly for people who haven't been vaccinated at all. I just want to play the other side of this for the sake of discussion. Yes, please. I know of people that have family members that had the COVID uh, vaccine. Yes. And they still died. They died. I know of people that um, had COVID, took the vaccine, and uh, got COVID again. (laughs) you know so i don't believe that because you have the covid vaccine that or did not have the covid vaccine that you're the problem because when you look at it it doesn't matter whether you had the vaccine or not or if you had the covid or didn't have it right it's gonna it's gonna affect you just like the flu and i'm saying you know my my spin on that is that The pandemic is not about the disease itself. It's about the fear that is being spread amongst Americans Mm -hmm. and amongst people about the disease. And mainly from the standpoint of the division that it causes us and the suspicion that we have against our neighbors who, number one, they have a right to their medical privacy. Right. That's what HIPAA is all about. That's what that's all about. And I mean, and we consider people's right to medical privacy when it comes to abortions, but we will not consider their medical privacy when it comes to having been vaccinated. And even so, even in the line of work that I've been in, you know, just you know, in the optical field, you still have to sign a HIPAA, you know, release mm-hmm. uh, if you want to release any of your information. So, uh, and they're they're all set up for you know HIPAA violations, your- so you don't see. Body's information. So the so protection of your health information. The same thing should apply when it comes to this. It's my choice, my privacy. It's and, my body. Right. But I, I went to Staples one day and there was a lot of people, you know, that want to take trips, but you got to have proof that you had the vaccine. You had to have your uh, a birth certificate and all this other stuff. And it was weird to me when I walked in there and I saw these people 
I said, what's going on here? And, and then they told me, I'm like, wow, I didn't even know anything about this part of what they're doing to people in order to be able to travel. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Historically, this is not new. Okay. This is okay. not new, but people have to know their history. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a book out that was published in the early 1950s after the end of the Second World War. It's called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Everybody was written by an written by an author. He was a journalist that lived in Germany during the rise and fall of Adolf Hitler in Germany. Everybody should read that book. His name was William Shirer, S-H-I-R-E-R. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And in it, he mentions, uh, and of course, I've read Mein Kampf as well. I've read Hitler's writings. I've read Mein Kampf. Hitler devotes 13 or 14 pages in Mein Kampf to the pandemic of the day. And the pandemic of the day was syphilis. Mm. And what he was able to do was to convince people that there was a targeted group of people that were responsible for the spread of syphilis. He was upset because he had contracted syphilis from an Austrian prostitute and said that the uh, that the prevalence of syphilis amongst the Austrian population was a result of Jews bringing in syphilis into their communities and into their, you know, just bringing it into their communities. Mm. And that was the very first order of his agenda when the Holocaust started. It was, it was, it rolled on the back of trying to address the problem of a pandemic. So when people who are against the vaccine are talking about this feeling like a Nazi move or a Nazi regime, is do you think this is the sort of thing that they're talking about and people think, just don't know? I think that it's something that if we are not careful, mm -hmm. you know, to me, you know, psychological operations are always necessary before sweeping political changes can take place anyway. But if you can convince people to uh, dismiss their freedoms mm -hmm. based on fear, mm -hmm. based on fear of their neighbors, no matter what that is, if they fear their neighbors' political opinions, if they fear their neighbors' sociological ideologies, if they fear their neighbor's ability to transmit a disease, then you can justify taking draconian measures to get rid of them. And I consider mandating people do things to their bodies to put some institutionally designed chemical agent into their bodies that will alter their DNA. No doubt it will alter your DNA. Mm -hmm. And there's no metacosmic studies done to tell you the long-term effects of mm -hmm. what's going to happen when this happens that yeah you're looking at something they know something that you don't know right and because they know something that you don't know and they want to mandate or force something to happen to you based on something that you don't know it's a psychological operation man they, the real thing is how much of your freedom are you willing to surrender Yes. Because you're afraid of your neighbors. Wow. And that's where we are. That is where we are in America. And I hope it's not worldwide, but I'm afraid that it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand 
the basis of their freedom doesn't come from the government. It comes from God, man. And anytime you abdicate uh, putting God at the head of your life, you'll open yourself up for anything. We, we talked about that this, this morning in church, um, fear and what fear does. And everything that's, you know, um, in the book of Revelation, I'm going to speak as a pastor now because that's also what I do. Okay. In the book of Revelation, uh, in the 21st chapter, there's a list of people who are destined for the judgment and the wrath of God at the end. And at the top, the very top of the list is the fearful. And you wonder, why does God so harshly judge fear even over murderers and, you know, adulterers and, and, and immoral people. Why are the fearful at the top of the list? Mm -hmm. And I've thought about that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when you look at social disorder, when it arises to the point where it stages hostilities like the pogroms in Russia mm -hmm. or like uh, the, 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 the slavery, you know, some of the wicked things that they did to black people during the slavery era and things during Jim Crow and all those other things, or the Holocaust, all those things have originated in the minds of men because of fear. So all evil things that come into the world come into the world because people are fearful. Like I said, when you don't fear God, then the only thing left is for you to fear everything else. You fear the unwritten uh, uh, variables. You fear the tangibles or the intangibles that lie in the realm of the unknown. And that's where we are. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. And, and, we, and when you try to make plans to mitigate the damages that come from that, all you're asking for and all you're doing is giving someone else power to control your destiny. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. see, you know, go ahead i'm sorry you're back no there. no 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 first of all i was going to say how you let me call your orlando if you're pastor jones that's what i should have been calling you this <laughs> but whole time. Like title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. reason why i let you call me orlando is because titles are relevant right titles are irrelevant if you're not doing the job of a pastor why should i call you pastor the pastor's job is to lead sheep if i don't lead you if i don't if i don't lead you feed you and protect you i'm not your pastor Mm -hmm. So it takes your money to tell you stuff, <laughs> you know. And I'm not a first lady. <laughs> I feel you. I hear you. I get it. Uh, let me ask you this. Let me let this be our last question. I, I I would love to know. No, this has been a great conversation, and I think it's a conversation that um, needs to be had. You know, so that we can make sure that we're hearing the hearts of people. Sure. What? do you want because these are still your elected officials and they're still people putting out mandates there are people fighting against mandates there's mass mandates and vaccination mandates. there's all these different ideas about how to move forward how do you what do you want people who you may have elected or voted for or how or whatever i don't need to know who they are but what do you want to be on their hearts and minds what do you want them to do in this space what practical moves forward do you think we need in order to navigate through what we're going through as a people, as There's a country? One thing that I have to say to the government and all of my elected officials, learn to respect my rights. Yes. That's all I want you to do. Learn to respect my rights and stay the hell out of my way. 
Yes. When it comes to business, I don't need you to overtax me. I don't need you to tell me that I need to, de you know, to delegate a certain amount of my money to pay for programs that y'all want to put together to help somebody who I don't see. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Business people, I'm sorry, entrepreneurial people uh, and people that own small businesses are, we're overregulated and we're, we're overtaxed. The bottom line is that we're overregulated and, and, and we're overtaxed and we're, and we're giving our money to a system that does God knows what with it. Right. You know, get up off of that stuff, man. Y'all don't do that to the, you know, you don't do that to, to the, you really don't do it to the rich and the rich don't care if you tax them anyway. Because all <laughs> they they're going right to, yeah, because they're going to get it right back one way or the other. Right. That's the whole idea of, 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 us living in a corporate autocracy. We think this is a democracy and it isn't. This is a corporate fascist autocracy is what we live in now because business, large businesses have more control over our government than the people or the, the, the uh, constituents who elect these people. Right. So our word really means. So our word, I won't say it means nothing. It means a lot, but it doesn't mean enough when you're looking at lobbyists who have the ability to pour in billions of dollars just so that you can sway your congressman's vote to favor their business. Yeah, and their agenda. You know, and to favor their agenda. So, you know, if there's a way to, to manage that and eliminate that, of course, that will never happen if there's all that money in there. You know, there's already hedges against that. But, you know, recognize at the least, at the least, recognize my constitutional rights yes, as agree. an American citizen. And then we can go from there. Great. You agree with that, Clara? You have any other last words for us? Um, I just I agree with what he said. I think that we should have our freedoms. Um, uh, we should have the choice to do what we want to do with our own bodies. Uh, you know, and I, I feel that you know if you give the voice to people that are the left or the right or whatever, they think that they can tell you what's best for you right. then and that comes from both sides by the way she said it right the right and the left because there's a bunch of people on both sides that think they know what's best for you i don't right. trust either one of them right <laughs> i know what's best for me and i know what i want so um all i'm saying to them is that like you said i want my freedom i want my rights all right then well that's going to have to be the last word on this topic for now for the Jones family, I really, really want to wish you all well in your business ventures, and I really appreciate you sharing your voice so authentically on this topic. I, I feel that a lot of people not only hear it, but probably connect with what you have to say, whether they agree or disagree. Right? Yeah. For those of you who want to join in this discussion, reach out to us on our website at pointcast.news. Again, thanking our guests for being a part of this discussion. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Eliag Productions, for their continued support. And to all of our listeners, please keep the conversation going. That's it, good people. Have a good one, and be sure to join us next time.